Hi, my name is Elizabeth and I am the Colorado Health Coach. For those of you who are new, welcome. And for those of you who are returning, welcome back to another episode and an all new season of the Colorado Health Coach. A little background on me in case you are new. I'm 25 years old. I've been a certified health and life coach for the past three years now. And I'm currently employed full time at my local hospital in the nutrition department, and I hope to grow a successful coaching business. This is currently my side hustle, but one day in the near future, I hope this grows into a thriving coaching business that I can live off of. I do believe it is important for my clients to get to know me, at least on a certain level. So some personal facts about me are I own a two-year-old German short-haired pointer. His name is Blue. I'm a Colorado native, born and raised. Sushi, tacos, cheeseburgers, and cherry tomatoes would be my preferred diet in an ideal world. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of movies, particularly horror movies. And finally, my favorite animals are sloths and red pandas. So now that we're better acquainted, let's begin. A segment that I would like to continue with from previous seasons is my personal is my personal ahas, appreciations, and insight moments from this past week. So I have mentioned in previous seasons that I do go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for about a year and a half now. I think it's benefited me greatly. I love going. I actually do look forward to going most of the time. And I say most of the time because on some days I just don't feel like going. I regret, like, I just, I don't regret going. I just... I don't want to go, and those are the days that I know I need to go. But this past week, I just, well, for one, I had fallen at work and everything. Uh, So physically, I just haven't been feeling as well. I haven't been going to my dance classes on the regular weekly. But during this whole healing process from my fall at work, I have been trying to basically help cope with anxiety and stress. This past week I was hurting so much I actually did not go. So I've been journaling. I've been very grateful towards journaling for helping me get my thoughts out without any judgment. And I highly recommend uh, journaling to anyone who maybe doesn't want to go to therapy, doesn't think they would benefit from therapy, doesn't want to open up to someone like that yet, isn't comfortable enough yet, I totally get it. I mean, I feel like the culture that I grew up in throughout my life was very taboo when it came to therapy because nobody really talked about it. Nobody made it normalized. It was kind of like, uh, oh, if you go to therapy, you're crazy. It's kind of like, oh, if you go to rehab, you're an addict, you're addicted to something like, you know, like it's bad, like very taboo kind of conversations. So no one in my family really talks about it. So I was very nervous and not going to lie skeptical when I first went. But this past week, journaling has really helped me a whole lot and I would highly recommend it to anyone. But I just appreciate that I am able to have those instincts to write down my thoughts and feelings to vent and cope in such a way because some people don't know how to vent and cope in a healthy way. And that's when I would recommend seeking out advice from your peers, from your loved ones, because they do truly care about you and they have a lot of good advice to offer. So it doesn't hurt 
you know, just to listen. Whether you take their advice or not, that's totally up to you. I just want to basically get on here and let all of you know that it's okay to not be okay. On a lighter note, let's move on. Let's move on to a segment that is going to be very new to all of you, even to people who have been listening for quite a while. It is this segment that I have just adopted called Sweet and Savory Swaps. All new segment on this podcast, and it's all about switching out certain foods or products for others in order to make a healthier choice. Now, these are not meant to be diet fads for the short term. These are supposed to be very sustainable, maintainable for the long term. Because remember, we are going after long term results, long term health. So for this first sweet and savory swap, we will be discussing how to bake with less oil. Don't get me wrong. Certain oils are fairly healthy, such as olive oil. It's rich in healthy monosaturated fats, antioxidants, containing anti-inflammatory properties. Many help prevent strokes, heart disease, and may fight Alzheimer's disease, reduce type 2 diabetes, and can help treat rheumatoid arthritis. But despite all these benefits, there is also a downside to consuming too much oil. The long-term effects from over-consuming oil include blurred vision, hallucinations, convulsions, no sores, ear infections, bronchitis, lung and throat infections or cancers, increased risk of tuberculosis, heart attacks, plus it could be damaging on your liver, kidneys, and bone marrow. But luckily there's a healthy middle ground when it comes to oil consumption. Oil is not the enemy. When it comes to baking, the healthy swap that can be made in exchange are in exchange for oil are applesauce, bananas, and pureed pears. The ratio used for applesauce is half applesauce, half fat. So if a recipe calls for oil, only use half the amount and compensate the other half with applesauce or any of the other options, cutting consumption by half. So the same can be true when it comes to bananas and pureed pears, like I previously said. According to Better Homes and Gardens, you might need to reduce the baking time by 25% when using fruit as an oil substitute. According to the Live Strong newsletter, the health benefits of applesauce are, but are not limited to, it being rich in antioxidants, containing plenty of nutrients, supporting digestion, reducing the risk of diabetes, and it can be used as a healthy alternative in baking. It can also be used well in egg-free or plant-based recipes. In order to make homemade applesauce, water, apples, and cinnamon are needed. Applesauce is made by combining these ingredients in a saucepan and cooking until the apples are soft. And personally, if you're trying to make applesauce at home, I would recommend using a hand immersion blender. But a regular blender works well works just as well in order to get that smooth applesauce texture after you cook down the apples. So let's dive on in to the topic of today's podcast, the truth about intermittent fasting. Why you all came here, I'm sure. So intermittent fasting, aka intermittent energy restriction, is a term for various 
meal timing schedules that cycle between voluntary fasting and non-fasting over a certain period of time. There are several types of intermittent fasting, including alternate day fasting, periodic fasting, and daytime restricted fasting. Although fasting is not recommended for long-term results, I am aware of the fact that fasting is fairly popular, so I've decided to share information on how to fast the healthiest way, although once again, I must emphasize I do not endorse this as a sustainable method of weight loss. So according to Healthline, intermittent fasting should not be approached as a diet, but as a sustainable eating pattern. The most common fasting method involves daily 16 or 24 hour fasting once or twice a week. Fasting is not a new groundbreaking concept. However, it has been practiced throughout human evolution. Intermittent fasting has been around since ancient times. First dating back to the Middle Ages, fasting was used as a result of wars, epidemics, and plagues. Fasting has also been used by various religious groups. It is thought to be a way of healing for the mind, soul, and body. In spite of it being a top trending Google search of 2019, increasing by 100,000% since 2010, extended research has reported that participants in an intermittent fasting group had a higher dropout rate, 38% specifically, compared to 29%, suggesting that the average eating plan may be less sustainable over time. It simply isn't for everyone, but if you're interested in trying out intermittent fasting, here are six strategies to do it the healthiest way possible. According to nutritionist Cynthia Sass, the healthiest way to intermittent fast is by doing six specific strategies to help you stick to your goals without feeling deprived. In this episode, we will be discussing these strategies. The first strategy is to make every calorie count. Many plans are limited to a total of just 500 calories on fasting days, hence why it is important to make food quality a major priority in order to get the greatest nutrients possible from both meals and snacks. So when it comes to fasting, a calorie isn't just a calorie. Quality is ultimately more important. Cynthia Sass also advises to not fast on active days. It's important to make fasting days the days in which you rest and are not pushing your body through vigorous exercise. This is suggested to ensure the body is receiving enough food to revert into fuel for upcoming activities. It can be helpful to think of your body as a car, filling the gas tank up with fuel before going on a long drive. It's like fueling your body with food. The only difference between your body and a car is a car with no fuel will stop. While you can push your undernourished body to keep going, ultimately increasing your risk of injury. Her second tip is to focus on satiating foods. There are several foods that help us stay fuller longer than others do. Stereotypically, foods high in essential nutrients include protein, fat, and fiber. I have a four-day energy experiment available for free if you're interested. Please feel free to email me at elizakingcoaching at gmail.com. Again, that's elizakingcoaching at gmail.com. The experiment is meant to identify which macronutrients, so fat, protein, or carbs, 
Which of those three gives you the most energy and which depletes you of your energy? Knowing this, you can focus your attention on satisfying foods versus foods that drain you of all your energy throughout the day. Her fourth tip is to increase the volume of your food. Eating raw vegetables is an amazing way to fill up your plate while keeping the overall calories at a low. It is recommended to be served alongside a serving of protein, whether it be animal or plant-based. You might want to start noticing and comparing the calorie content of foods in the same category that vary in portion size. Dr. Sasse's fifth tip is to not be afraid to use herbs and spices. Seasonings are practically calorie-free and can enhance your meal significantly. According to Health Magazine, seasonings have been shown to boost satiety, plus boost the metabolism, packed full of antioxidants, and helps reduce inflammation, further tying into chronic disease prevention. One of my personal favorites is rosemary, and it goes so well with practically any oven-roasted vegetable. And Dr. Sass's sixth and final tip is to be mindful. Eating mindfully at a slow pace can boost satiety. As a health and life coach, mindful eating is one of the main tools we use in our arsenal. Dr. Sass also has stated the four reasons not to try intermittent fasting, which should also be discussed. The first reason to not try intermittent fasting is because of rebound overeating. The two most popular approaches when it comes to fasting are limiting are limiting food intake to eight hours each day and severely restricting calories a few days a week. Unfortunately, both of these approaches commonly lead to increased cravings, preoccupation with food, and rebound binge eating, especially common amongst women. With this strategy setting individuals up for a potential binge, they often feel so deprived that they end up eating more than they usually would. This ultimately has a negative effect on one's health. There are 11 foods in particular that make you hungrier. They include white bread, juices, salty snacks, fast food, alcohol, white pasta, MSG, so monosodium glutamate, commonly found in Chinese food, sushi rolls, artificial sweeteners, kids cereals, and pizza. Now I'm not saying to never eat these foods again because we're only human and I encourage each and every one of you to become in tuned and listen to your bodies. Heck, I mean, MSG commonly found in Chinese food. I had Chinese food two nights ago, you know? I mean, it was a really good portion. It was the kids size. Like, I made a comment to my mother. I called her on the phone. I made a comment to her like, oh my gosh, like they advertise this as a kid's meal, but this could feed a full grown adult. Like, this is a really good portion size. Like, are they trying to make these children obese? And like, honestly... I do feel like our portion sizes in America have gotten a little bit out of hand. I mean, you could easily split an entree, you know, like between two adults and call it good. Anyway, I digress. Going back to the topic, you become aware of and honor your hunger and fullness. There's a skill that I like to teach a lot of my clients called honoring your hunger and fullness by using the hunger and fullness scale. So it's a scale based off of one to 10, 
One is being like like the Donner Party kind of hungry. <laughs> just just saying. Um, and then ten, you are like gut busting, unbutton your pants kind of full, like bring out the sweatpants kind of full, you know? Those are two very different ends of the spectrum. So you want to start preparing for your next meal when your hunger fullness scale reaches about a five or a four. When you get to a two on the hunger fullness scale, that is often when we make poor decisions when it comes to our food because we are very hungry. We have no time to plan. And when we have no time to plan, essentially, we just gravitate towards convenience. So when you start to plan your next meal when you're around a five, it sets you up to make healthier choices. And I would advise anyone to stop eating when they're at a seven or eight because you should never be gut busting, make yourself sick kind of full. I know during holidays, it's very tempting. And once in a while, you know, like (sighs) once in a while we do it and we regret it after because of how we feel. But, you know, that's the price we pay. But I would strongly advise that that be very seldom and far and few in between. Because by you eating these foods in moderation, you're preventing your mental state from feeling deprived, leading to healthier, leading to a healthier relationship with food is what I'm essentially trying to get at. Another reason not to try intermittent fasting is it because is because it can result in poor sleep. Unfortunately, another downside of intermittent fasting is it interferes with our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Multiple studies have shown that sleep lengths and qualities are strongly associated with weight control. Fewer hours of sleep is associated with increased hunger, increased cravings for sweets and fatty foods, a reduced desire to eat healthy, and it could trigger excessive eating leading to weight gain. Another concern is fewer nutrients are being consumed. Fasting, however, compromises overall nutrition, essentially. By limiting fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, and lean proteins, all are strongly tied to maintaining a fast and effective metabolism. If you decide to try intermittent fasting or even a modified version, make every calorie count by sticking to a naturally nutrient-rich whole fresh food diet versus heavily processed foods. And the last main concern is muscle loss. When the body is in a deficit, your body doesn't only break down your fat reserves, but also your muscle as well. According to health.com, the ratio of how much fat to muscle you lose may vary depending on your body composition, protein intake, and activity levels. The whole premise of intermittent fasting is to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables while limiting sugary and processed snacks, which is wonderful. However, the problem is fasting is not suitable for everyone. Many people do fast for only a few months, maybe a year, but unless you plan on continuing to fast the majority of your life on a consistent basis, this is not the best option for you and your long-term health. There are several celebrities who have done intermittent fasting, and I know it can be tempting to try it, especially when hearing 
celebrities swear by it. Celebrities like Vanessa Hutchins, Halle Berry, Kourtney Kardashian, and Hugh Jackman, just to name a few. These celebrities have access to some of the best trainers and nutritionists in the world. Please keep that in mind. So do not be so hard on yourself when intermittent fasting doesn't work out for you. This is simply a luxury many just can't afford. And just because it works for them and it doesn't work for you, there's nothing wrong with that. But out of all the celebrities I just listed, I particularly agree with Kourtney Kardashian's approach the most if I had to pick an approach to agree with. According to E! Online, she doesn't eat after 7 p.m. and usually breaks her fast after a morning workout around 10.30, 11 a.m. This is one of the healthiest fast techniques I've read about thus far, celebrity-wise. So now I would like to switch gears and segue over into another new segment that we're going to be calling Cheers to Your Health, where we're going to be discussing cocktails. When I was doing the outline for the new season, I thought to myself, what do I listen to in regards to podcasts? What do I enjoy? What do I personally like? And what is my age demographic? So I thought to myself, well, I love XYZ, you know, from other podcasts. Let's get a healthy twist on it and make some healthy cocktails. So the first one we are going to be dabbling into is called the kombucha margarita. Some of you may be wondering, what is kombucha? Well, according to the Advanced Mixology website, kombucha is a fermented tea rich in probiotics, further supporting gut health. You probably have seen kombucha at your local grocery stores over near the produce section. Other ingredients in this drink are tequila, lime juice, and agave nectar. The lime juice is a good source of vitamin C, plus tequila can help boost your metabolism. Please remember to drink responsibly. I will have the full recipe linked in the description down below with the exact measurements, and I will be trying out this drink myself on the YouTube channel Colorado Health Coach in the near future, so stay tuned for that and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're interested in future content. Circling back to those Kardashians, let's transition into life lessons from. Those of you who have stuck around for a while, you are very familiar with life lessons from. For those of you who are new life lessons from, is a segment where I like to pull a life lesson from anything regarding pop culture. So anything celebrity related, music, TV shows, movies, everything in that ballpark. I know this is a little bit older news, but I would still like to talk about it because yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about it. So Chloe Kardashian, I'm going to be discussing when to walk away from a toxic relationship. And yes, I am referring to Tristan Thompson. He needs no introduction. I am sure many of you are very familiar with their situation. 